Hey guys, this is Tina B. And Charmaine G. We're here to talk about the messiness of life. It's ugly. And it's raw. It's real. And it's a freaking game. It's whack-a-mole. 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 This is us. And our gift to you. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to this Election Tuesday. Ah! I know. It is November 3rd. 2020. 2020. And I, I mean, I'm not the only one who has just been with bated breath. I can't, I cannot drive myself to even like periodically I do it, but I can't have conversations about it. FYI, I'm pretty damn anxious. I know. What our next four years are going to look like. I'm pretty anxious about what the next week's going to look like, honestly, because I, there's just all this rioting, all of this. I mean, there's just, it's a lot of anxiety you for everybody. You added to it. Yeah, but you forgot all about that. Sorry. It's cool. It's real. It's what's happening. It and is. I don't understand the hate. I don't, I don't understand either. it. Nope. Um, however, when it turns into total murder and, and economic devastation, we just can't get there again. We've got No, to and keep there's probably people on. who'd like want some, you know, need a new TV tonight or. Shit, you know, I do too, I know. but I'm not <laughs> We're not going to use the election as an excuse to break windows yeah. and go. Yeah, it's that's it's just crazy. Oh, oh, we have hi, a guest. This is our guest. Do you hear our guest barking right now? <laughs> we are joined. I walked into my house and my dog's going to start barking at you. That's okay. He can That's join okay. us too. Yeah. She. So we are joined today, obviously, by Mr. Andrew. He was such a hit last week that we decided to bring him back in um, today. Week? Yeah. Was it last week? Yeah, it we were both week. remote. I was in Denver yes. and you were in Denver and we were yeah. all in Colorado. I mean, Tina yeah. was here in the sun. Yeah. And I just really want to say that the last couple of weeks, heavy, heavy, heavy topics. Yeah. And okay, that's fine. I'm done with that for now. (laughs) We'll circle back. I've had such a long week too, though. I mean, we both have. There's been some emotionally draining events come up in my life, just family stuff and, and, um, and I'm over it. I'm ready to like have a little bit of fun and, Mm. um, talk about how one would, go about or how we have gone about and perhaps accomplished reinventing ourselves. That's what we're going to talk about today. Reinventing yourselves. How many times in your life can you reinvent yourself? Once, twice. Mm. What does that mean? What does it mean? What does it mean, Andrew? Um, I was one thing and now I'm going to be another or I'm going to try to be another. I love that. Another whatever thing that is. Yeah, that's awesome. That's perfect. Totally simply put and understood. But it's really broad too. Yeah. Because it could be, it could be, um, when Andrew and I were discussing this yesterday, briefly in two sentences, (laughs) um, he talked about going back to school or going to school as an adult. Right. Oh my gosh. First of all, when you said that, and I, we were having that conversation and I, it was over text and I read it, my heart started pounding and I'll tell you why, because I did that. I went back to school as an adult. So did you and Charmaine and Mm -hmm. Charmaine did as well. And I, I thought you went to school right out of school. I thought you did, but I came back for my, yeah. So I, I didn't, I don't have, um, Math gives me anxiety. I mean, when I think about adult going back to school as an adult, 
everything about it was exciting to me. I loved writing papers. I loved, it was so exciting, all of it. And my kids were in school, regular school, and I was doing school and it was just, there was a whole different vibe and energy and it was really cool. But my 12 year old, Marissa was 12 at the time, um, had to help me with algebra. <gasps> Not kidding. And I, it was, you know, I'm not a cheater. Like I don't approach life dishonestly, but there were very big moments where I was like, if she were older to pretend to be me, to take the test, like go to the proctor center and just do, I, I, it was very difficult for me. That's hard. Just because, I mean, as you age, your mental capacity, your memory capacity, everything is definitely your bank is already full you know i mean and you're trying to slough off old information yeah. to bank new and so. you went to law school andrew i mean that's how long were you in school eight years uh yeah i mean i think i started back when i was 31 uh, going back to school i went and got a, a certificate program for two years in substance abuse counseling oh i remember that. oh a yeah. Nice. And then I did that for a couple of years and I hated it. And then. Um, <laughs> Why? Because of I people? I was no good at it. Because <laughs> I was no good at it. Because I, you know, I just was not, I, I, I'm not that empathetic or compassionate. Uh-huh. I, I thought uh, it would be the opposite. I thought you would be maybe more too loose on boundaries and codependent, but boom, I'm wrong. Well, I mean, those things too. Oh, <laughs> you're a mixed pot of shit. Just in that arena, he yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Sensey, no. <laughs> That's funny. I was good at, maybe good at, uh, you know, men's counseling, but I shouldn't have done the women. That is a challenge gender-based yeah. mm. specific relatability mm-hmm. you know Ooh. and that's why i'm grateful you're on here because we can cast out both sides of the net um when we have a topic of of what what did you how did you coin it re reinventing yourself mm-hmm. how did you coin that Andrew? trying to be how to be something that you're try to be something that you're you're not now i can't remember Lightning in a bottle. We can't capture it. You know, we had one shot. <laughs> we had one shot at that. You'll have to rewind, Charmaine, to figure out to, to find out what you did. That was um, classic. That was good. It's, yeah. It was good. It was well put. We just can't remember how. Right. how Trying to be was something put. new than what you weren't once before. Right. Right. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's I enough, like that. Right? Um, we're live, so moving on. <laughs> um, I have to say, I love how you rounded out saying I wanted to be more in my adult life in the area of achieving in education and career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did, what prompted you to do, let's just take turns. What prompted you to reinvent yourself from a drug counselor to a lawyer? Mm. Okay. Uh, I, well, when I was, counseling because I thought it would be really cool to talk to addicts like myself all day long. And I found out that that's not that great. <laughs> it's draining. And it is. It yeah. Was. It's very taxing. And I wanted to go back to school to get a better education. It was just, it was sim- it's strictly just about uh, getting an education. So I went back and I got my bachelor's degree first. And then I realized towards the end of getting my bachelor's degree that I would need a master's level uh, to, to make more money. Mm. And um, so I thought of public policy, things that I was kind of interested in. Um, but I didn't, 
want to write a thesis. So I thought, <laughs> what do I got to do to not write a thesis? And I said, oh, I, I remember when I was in high school wanting to be a lawyer. I'll take the LSAT. I'll take and then the I'll LSAT over a thesis school. any day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what? So, that's a, so then I went to law school. So and uh, that's how it went. And it was, uh, you know, all of, you know, you see a challenge. Math was the same way. I was very challenged in math. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't feel like um, I was very uh, smart, but I was getting good grades. I got great grades. Did you? you? Know, from high school. I, yeah, I got, I was, uh, you know, summa cum laude, whatever the top level of graduation for, Get not for law out. school. No, are you serious? Not At for law, law school. school. Oh. No, not law school. <laughs> law school, I was in the middle. Strongly towards the bottom. Of the <laughs> Strongly. Leaning. And, uh, bottom leaning. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, I just I, I just wanted to do more. And, it's, you know, it's not easy, as you were saying, it's not easy to go back to school as an adult. No. But I did have a much better time as an adult going to school. I liked going to school um, as an adult. I did not like high school as a kid. I hated everything yeah. at school. Yeah, I'm There's you. just a mix of that pressure that you can't describe, and you're building your own identity based off of how other people treat you and how they care about you. And that's your freaking platform to the next stage of life. So if you bonk and fail there, does not mean that you cannot reinvent yourself. As well, you're adult. not a volunteer in, in K through 12. No, you have no. to do that. Yeah, I tell my kids that every day when they're like, "I don't want to go to school, mom." No, I'm sick, and I'm like, "Guess what? <laughs> mom will go to jail if you do not get in well, the she, car." You take them right to it's the illegal just the extreme. to not go to jail. <laughs> I should have told you what I did whenever I taught him how to cross the street and look at both sides. I was I like, "You want to know? Poor kids. <laughs> Who's scared for Charmaine's children right now? Me. They're going to be smart and." Street savvy. Uh, so I heard out of your um, experience, your lived experience, a few motivators in your reinvent reinventing yourself. The motivators of I like go to sc- I like to go to school. I want more money. Um, I am not good at this, so I want to do something else that I can be good at. Um. Everybody has a motivator. Mm -hmm. And sometimes life events happen to cultivate that motivator. So we, of course, work with individuals in the justice system fresh out of jail. Mm. And you know what the first question I ask them is? How was jail? (laughs) Was it good? (laughs) Did you have a good time? (laughs) Right. And they just look at me like, you be... And I say, no, you didn't. So Mm. let's try not to do that again, right? Help me help you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a motivator. Totally. And when they're already in the um, relapse mode and planning their next event, you almost have to reach them on a different level before that window closes. Um, My life uh, reinvestments definitely were staged throughout and a lot of it was um the relationships that i were was in your reinventions yeah my reinventions it's almost like i have to learn the hard way like this soul this stubborn soul over here has to be taught a freaking lesson Mm. 
to realize, um, guess what? We're going to stretch in that little growing pain. Mm. It's going to actually snap and break you. Mm. And then you get to grow again. Yeah, that's. What did you do before this, before your reinvention? Uh, So I've had many careers, if that's the direction we want to talk about. But what did I do before this? I. I kind of, um, I've always been a corporate raider. I've always been a business person. However, though, my own internal temperature gauge wasn't, didn't, it wasn't working like until I was 28 years old. I mean, it literally was in the moment, impulsive, no direction. And one day I sat down and I thought, how come nobody asked me if I'm going to have kids? How come nobody asked me questions about what do I want to do in the future? I didn't have that in my life because I had not been living in the future. So I, of course, got crumbled up and chewed and spit out. And that's whenever I realized I'm the only one that can freaking do this. Mm. I'm the only one that can move 2,200 miles away and not know one soul. That was when you moved from Indianapolis to here. Yeah. Not knowing a soul and going through a huge awakening Mm -hmm. spiritually. And that's when I say that it's almost like I shed that skin. What prompted you to want to do that? Um, was something going wrong? Was something, it was a divorce. It was a life event. It was a divorce. Um, However, though, like you're taught things as your child, whatever that is, it could be how relationships should be. It should be, it could be like, you know, peer and you're sloughing off of school and you're not, you're becoming not accountable for your actions, mm-hmm. poor supervision from parentals, all these things that I don't know why I'm going down that rabbit hole, but I want to bring it back and say that when we reinvent ourselves, I don't know if anybody can hear me out there. Is it when you're having a life trial Mm. or is it when things are going good, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to do this now and I'm going to do this now. Or is it a full depth that you're digging deep and you're clenching those white knuckles and fists and just saying, I'm going to come out. Of the ashes on mm-hmm. this one. I think for me, if I can speak from just, if I can say that I had a career in California um, and anybody who knows me and Andrew knows this as well. I worked constantly. I was a workaholic. I worked, I remember showing up, it was summer. And so I would only be working like 40 hours a week. And I, t- I was telling my friends this one night at like a meeting. I was like, I'm only working 40 hours a week right now. And they're like, Tina, that's full time. <laughs> Welcome. The thing that motivated me was um, I wasn't the best student, even though I graduated and I pursued a college education. I, it wasn't my favorite thing to do. You know, I wasn't like, oh, I just want to learn. Like I learned differently. I life stuff and experiences that's far more um exciting to me i Mm -hmm, can engage mm -hmm, in that mm -hmm. it's yummy to me Mm. books and things like that i'm it's just not a happening deal i did do it the thing i think that motivated me mostly was from come from where i came from i came from um 
people who were sort of underachieving. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that in a, in no, a horrible way. I, my parents real. only went to like the eighth grade, both of them. Whew. And, um, and I wanted to, um, be the one who graduated. I wanted to be the one I knew I had that in me. And so I wanted to do that. It was a struggle for me though, because as a child, I had, there was some trauma in my childhood that I couldn't. It stunted you. Totally. You know, I was worrying about other stuff when I was at school. So school was really difficult for me. And I, I don't know why I went in that direction, but when I decided to go back to school, it was harder than I thought it was going mm. to be. I wanted to be motivated intellectually. I wanted to, of course, make more money. Um, but I will say that the stuff that my street smarts have gotten me jobs more than my education did. Right. Wow. And to be honest with you, I'd hire anybody any day off the streets with experience mm -hmm. rather than a four-year degree, mm -hmm. sure, <clears throat> two-year degree. Right? I, mean, I mean, you don't have to go reinvent yourself by going back to school. No, you're you absolutely know, right. That's not, you know, a prerequisite to go to school. But, but do you guys feel, I mean, we're all three in that same boat. Do you feel like that it was more for our achievement to stimulate our, and, and knowing that we're learned human and we have the capability of expanding that, so we want to achieve. We want to go forward in direction, regardless if it's education. But I always take away at the end of the day and say, what did I learn today? Even if it's not sitting in a classroom, what did I learn yeah, today? I get bored real easily, though, too. I've done a few different things in my life. I've changed. Um, okay, the career I talked about in California was in the golf and country club world. I came up through food and beverage, fine dining. And I catered to wealthy people, the wealthiest, pe wealthiest, pe the wealthiest, <laughs> the wealthiest people <laughs> in our nation that, awesome. that were very important people. They were in the pinnacle of their careers and all of that. And I catered to them through um, this thing that I learned and knew. Okay. But I got bored. Like I outgrew that. Mm -hmm. So I moved on to do something else. And now I do something completely opposite of that. But I am just as passionate about it. Right. So you are, you're true to your heart and your character, no matter what you're doing. I used to be embarrassed that things bored, would bore me. Ooh, I used why? to be embarrassed that like I would pick up a pro bored you really? <laughs> she kicks it up a notch <laughs> if she does. I, you know, I'm like the one who's got like all these different projects going on right now. Yeah. None of them are complete. It's, it's, it's a jack of all called? trades and ADHD. master of none. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're not far off. That is true. <laughs> but I used to think, wow, why can't I just, you know, I'd stick with something to a certain point and then I would get bored and move on to something different. I think it's because you're not supposed to. I think you should be stimulated by many, many things because that's how you're built. That's what get, you're functioning and you love it and you're thriving. Reinventing oonesself also doesn't always have to include like a profession. Didn't you reinvent right. yourself, Andrew, when after you had your son? Weren't you a reinvented human being? You had to relearn or yeah. learn and oh do God. things completely differently. I, well, that's the way it was for me, Yeah, being a parent. Yeah, well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, when my son was born, sure, I had to, to change things up, but I also was really diving into my addiction then. Mm. And 
you know, that was, you know, he he had a kind of a an absentee father for the first kind of four years of his life. Um, so my reinvention around my son came when his mother died, and I had to, you know, figure life out with a son. So I reinvented, and I didn't I didn't necessarily go back to school. I just I learned by going to twelve step programs uh, how to be a better person. Mm-hmm. So that was a big reinvention. Heck well. yeah. So Heck my yeah. my curiosity with that, Andrew, is <clears throat> when you went into, you know, social support uh, to look in, did you learn from others' lived experiences f- to help you reinvest, reinvent yourself? Or were you, like, nope. like not living in comparison, but seeing, because sometimes, and I, I say th- this realistically, I hope you guys can relate, but sometimes when I think shit's bad... And then I can go to a meeting or go to some sort of, you know, presentation and I hear a story that's freaking unbelievably yeah. hard. I soften mm-hmm. and I think I can do this. Like, mm-hmm. look what they can do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I think that uh, I hooked up with guys that were similar to me. Um, some had kids, some didn't. had a sponsor who did and he hired me to do work. I, I was working for him. And I got to go over to his house every morning and see how he did life. And, and uh, yeah, I learned, oh, I learned from nice. others. Yeah. You know, I've started to become a father and a human being based on the people that I was hanging around with because before, you know, drug addiction, even though I knew a lot of people, it's an isolation oh, yeah. uh, concept. So a lot of people didn't think really anybody. when you're using, you're just selfish. You're just a selfish person. How could you do this? Mm. You know, when you're in when you're active in addiction, would you agree with that, Andrew? Would I agree that I was selfish, or that I agree that people think that? Yeah, uh, both. Mm-hmm. I, I think, think there that, is a stigma yeah. for sure. Sure, I think that I was selfish. I mean, all I you know, there's a there's a saying in AA that I'm not much, but I'm all I think about. Totally. So, you know yeah. that is true. Yeah. So you it's re- hard not to be a narcissist in some ways. I think we're all a little narcissistic. I think we have traits for yeah. sure. For definitely. Sure. Definitely. Sean does. I mean <laughs> <laughs> He's just over here trying you to mind say his own it. business. You can you can I'm gonna bring Sean into this if that's okay. We've got two minutes before we're gonna go to a break. Sean, reinventing yourself. How many times have you done it in your life? Yeah. See, I had to go get a microphone that worked <laughs> so that the guy on the phone can hear me because he can't hear me on the other microphone. He's How many bolted times? these mic stands down because he's afraid He's afraid we're going to stake I can see you guys stealing these. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How many times are – I've reinvented myself numerous times. I mean, me too. I, it's been a – for sure. me, I've, like, moved across the country numerous times for jobs and stuff, and that seems to be a, a good opportunity to reinvent and restart. So, mm. but, yeah, it just happens every – handful of years and it's just like you know what time for a shake-up time for something different do you so get bored? A change yeah like a change but do you grow from that oh change? no no it's well, there's it's, a it's, difference. It's, it's cyclical you know okay maybe i am growing i don't recognize it but i get to the point where i'm like okay change this do this try this and then weeks months later am i better i don't know well, I think it's edifying. <laughs> I think it's edifying to kind of say, you know what, I learned this from that experience. And I restarted the race. I just don't know how far I ran. 
Okay. So you don't know how to look back and say, look what I've accomplished. I know how to look back and, and be displeased with myself, but... Oh, yeah, we're all really, there's really that little that. voice in your head, that negative self-talker. <laughs> well, Sean, if you need me to build you up, I could tell you some qualities that I've learned from you sitting in this recording studio for the last two months. So mm, I'd be happy to share my message with it's gonna you. It's going to cost me anything? No, it's okay. free. It's nothing but love. <laughs> no, I thanks for contributing because that is very relevant that if we can't look back and say, oh my gosh, look what I did. Um, I, I do hear that quite often and it, sometimes I don't let it penetrate of the accomplishments that, and how strong you can be. It is a must. Let's talk about yourself on the back. When we come back from the break. Love it. All right. Four, three, two, one, wackos. <laughs> this is Whack-A-Mole with Tina B and Charmaine G. Raw discussion about the messiness of life. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Whack-A-Mole. We welcome you back to Whack-A-Mole. Raw discussions about the messiness of life. Now, here are your hosts, Tina B. and Charmaine G. Woo! Tina B. Charmaine's full of it today. She's so naked right now with no notes. I, I have, don't like it. Okay, I'm going to give you a visual because nobody can like see it. what I see. Andrew, listen to this. She is struggling so bad that she asked for a pen and she's writing notes on her hand. She <laughs> <laughs> got an eye hand. If you need to use my arm, you can too. That's okay. <laughs> she's a writer, you guys. I always like to... Be, be able prepared. to refer. I do like to be prepared. Yeah. It's all ego driven. I, no, I, it's not. It's security. For me, it is. <laughs> it's security. Um, but we were talking about strength. Okay. For me, when I left one, well, reinventing myself, I, this was another time I did was when I left California. I had, I owned my own home. I had a career there. And I chose to leave because I didn't want to be in California anymore. And um, I followed a man here. I was in a relationship and I darn him. (laughs) Um, But I made that decision to leave and not go back. I have zero desire to go back to California. Um, There was a reinvention for sure. I came somewhere where at the time there were two golf and country clubs and that was my business. That's what I knew. Um, And it was scary the fear of doing it did not outweigh the desire or the need that I had to reinvent and to change my life. I can say that now with confidence. And I remember when I first moved here in that middle of that reinvention, there were little things I couldn't do. Like I couldn't listen. I started listening to country music for the first time ever in my life because I didn't want to listen to music what that, the hell? that I know that a associated me with any memories of okay. being in Palm Desert in no Palm Sp- the Coachella Valley I didn't want to th- cuz I thought if I hit 
some depression. I don't want to sink down into this depression. I just wanted to start anew. So you chose country music. There you go. <laughs> I know, isn't that? There's a tear in my beer. <laughs> it sounds pretty counterproductive, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's the most touching kind of music because it's a story and they have a story to tell. I just had no memories attached to any of that music. They were all new to me. All of it. that stuff was music just new to me. Lift, yes. Okay, so you brought up, and I like championed you in the air, like, yes, fear, mm. fear. Like when I have this discussion often with people, what's holding you back? Like you could be anything you want. Like it doesn't matter if you're 54 years old or, or 70, like you literally could do something for yourself that is positive and change that you can look back on and say, I freaking can do hard things. What is holding you back? Sure. I think that's true. I didn't go to law school until I was 40. So. Were you afraid? Yeah. 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 Plus, it's going to cost me a lot of money. Oh. <laughs> you know. Well, there's that. Right. Have you paid your and student I, loans I back? I feel like I'm super smart. So, you know, and I always thought of law school for smart people. And I went and I was, uh, you know, to, I also was living with my parents. Hmm. you know, during the time of my early sobriety with my son. And so actually, you know, at 40, I was becoming, you know, an adult. You know, the first time I was really going out on my own as a parent. And I was going to Denver where, I, you know, my sister lived about half hour away, but I didn't really know anybody just like you moving out to uh, um, St. St. George and Mm. stuff. You know, it's all, you know, it's fearful. It's scary. It is very scary. You know, and I tried to get into AA out there and I didn't really fit in, uh, you know, the same way I fit in out in the desert. So, I mean, there was all sorts of fearful things that it was just putting the next foot forward. Did you ever, and, were uh, you ever scared? Sorry to interrupt you. Did you ever yeah, want to just go, did you ever want to quit? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. My, after my first year, I, I applied to, uh, I applied to uh, cooking school. There's a what? no, you didn't. I didn't know <laughs> that. I did. I did, and I got accepted. And my sponsor, my sponsor, uh, said, "Are you really going to quit? Are you, are you, you know, just because you're struggling, is that really what you're going to do?" And I said, "No, damn it." And so I did it. And then you took cooking classes instead, like. No. Like, no, he decided not to do that. No, I but, meant like date night cooking oh. classes, like not actually switching <laughs> oh, gotcha. free. So I didn't did have you here in my first years of law school? So that was your ego, like somebody. You were challenged in that moment when he said that, right? Yeah. And you thought, yeah, well, I I'm not going. No, I wasn't. I was. I was at the borderline of my education. I was. I wasn't on the dean's, uh, you know, punishment list, but I was just right above it, and I didn't feel like I was getting it. And how was I going to, you know, do two more years of this? And my sponsor said, you shouldn't quit and you should reinvent yourself again, which is you need to treat school like a job and go there eight hours a day and work and et cetera. And that changed everything. Mm-hmm. I, you know, actually studied. So what I'm pulling you know, out of that experience, just on the outside looking in, is that what got you through that <clears throat> reconsidering reinventing yourself and moving forward is your support system that you allowed in your life. 
I yeah, mean, no, without a question. Yeah. I mean, even if it was challenging the ego or if it was more or less the support from your, your parents to help raise your son as a single father, or as a widow, um, with that, I can't stress enough that the quality of people that we put in our life, because <clears throat> I see this every day that I say, who do you have in your life besides me to talk to? Mm. And tears just stream down their face because nobody talks in a, in a manner that they're going to succeed because they don't feel that way about themselves and they're just getting it hammered into them that that is who they are and they're going to be under the radar. But when you can actually have somebody, what do you want to do next? What's next? And not just check the box, but actually be fulfilled like, and, and, um, satisfied that it is by and large who we put in our lives. It is the only way though, that we, and this is something that I say to my clients. Um, and for those of you who are listening and don't know, I, I do, um, a form of probation. And so I help people when they first come out of jail. Um, I help them, overcome some barriers and things that they might need in order to stay compliant with the court so that they don't go back to jail. I help them stay out of jail by putting them in touch with resources in our community and things like that. A lot of it has to do with treatment. And so, um, you know, helping them get insurance and things like that. So on the daily, you know, I have, it's, it's a mixed bag. I'll get the people who are like, okay, what do I need to do to stop doing to getting, getting this, these results, what do I have to do to look good in front of the judge? Mm. So there's two things you can see. And my motivation is always, you can st if stand on your head and tick all the boxes and look good in front of the judge. That's not going to do anything Service. for your, your self-esteem. How do we get self-esteem by doing esteemable things? Mm. So you, and that's what, reinventing myself on the occasions that I have has done for me. That's where I got my self-esteem. Right. If I was doing this stuff, so I looked good in the eyes of other people, that that's such an old idea. Whack-a-mole right there. <laughs> I mean, it is a big, fat, old, damn idea. Well, that's because you were building your identity and your validation off of how other people viewed you because you didn't, you couldn't do it on your own. But I every mean, time I got, how did you feel every time you got an A? Andrew, as an adult. Oh, I feel great. Oh yeah. my That's gosh. Awesome. I thought, how the hell did I do that? I <laughs> like, it happened uh, a lot less in law school. Huh? <laughs> it happened a lot less in law school. I'm sure. Oh I gosh. Bravo to you, man. Yeah. I can't even, just saying law school is like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'd rather draw and drink coffee. Let me give another angle yeah. to Tina's job though, because I think it re is relevant. Not only does she provide the support, but she has to enforce the consequences mm. of someone's behavior. Meaning, if the judge ORs them and allows them this opportunity at no cost to come in, if they're still using, if they're testing positive, if there's a protective order violation, we have the responsibility to protect them as well as the others. So she has such a, just a crucial, balance to motivate change 
Is that pretrial services? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and oh, okay. I but I also have to have a responsibility to the judge because I'm sticking my neck on the line. I feel like we should have had like a like a prize for you because you guessed it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send it to you in the mail. Maybe like a a text blessing. So a friend of mine, uh, well, my my lover and I feel like we should her lover. <laughs> we should create like this app called Text Blessings. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I've asked him to develop a you know business plan for me to and present it, and I'll let him know how the outcome is. But text blessing, so That's you're going to get a text blessing prize of guessing pretrial services because that is like honestly the crucial window of someone's life event. I help is people so reinvent themselves because when they show up in my office, they're in need of reinvention. Because yeah. what they're doing it has gotten them to that very place, and it hasn't—it's not working for them. It's not. It's not. But the—I love to watch that. I love to watch those who come out the other side of that and make those changes. That's, that is why we do it. That not for the money. No. <laughs> Trust me, we work for the government. Yeah. We do not make a lot of money. No. 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 Don't you feel that way though, Andrew? I mean, you're a prosecutor. So what would be your angle? How do you observe or assist or do you at all in the reinvention of other people? Mm. Well, first of all, I think that it's a, it's my job like yours is to protect in, uh, both victim and also the defendant's mm. rights. Right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I have to be conscious of, of those things. But I will tell you, the public defender's office doesn't think that I help out very much at all. Well, no. But what I, I see is that part of getting better is to clean up the wreckage of your presence. Yes. And you sometimes jail is it, sometimes probation is it, sometimes prison is it, sometimes mm -hmm. dismissals are it, whatever. But um, you should take a look at yourself. I mean, I can't. If you're going to commit this kind of stuff, this is what's going to happen to you. And I don't think you should be protected from the consequences. Oh, I agree. I know that, you know, that is that is part of, I'm tired of being tired, right? Of, I'm tired of being, uh, you know, the guy that goes to jail. I'm tired of being the guy that's got to, you know, continue to, to, you know, run from the law. You know, those are valid exasperation points, I think, in a person's life. And I... You know, I joke about it. I see myself as a travel agent, but I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but I don't, I don't want them to not succeed. There are people who I can care less if they succeed because they did such horrible things. But mm. I really want to see people succeed. You know, I, I have to, you know, tell victims. You know, part of the deal here is is to hope that this person gets better. We can't, you know, we don't want them to not succeed. You You're know. absolutely right. And I mean, yeah, they set themselves up for failure if, if they don't, <clears throat> you know, want to progress in life. However, though, like there's a large majority, large majority that have a soul and it's a good soul. Mm. And even though they may have, um, you know, that criminal behavior, um, it can be restored, um, I say that just when you touch base about being tired, that goes back to my reinvestment, reinvent, 
venting. I reinvented myself. <laughs> Meaning, <laughs> did I reinvent myself? What the hell did I do? What are we talking about? You know, <laughs> you confuse. It's it's cute. Justice Reinvestment no, Initiative. <laughs> you will often change up words. Like we're talking about reinvention, but you'll say reinvestment. In the same <laughs> arena at all. Okay, so I'm not I'm not too off, off target. My thing is, is that I, my soul was tired. Like I was tired of not living stagnant, complacent. You know, you said you were bored. I call it complacent, but I had nothing to show. I didn't like... If I were to die that day, I would look back and going, I did nothing with this valuable time. I did nothing to make the most lived opportunity that I could. And that's how I live now. Like, I don't know how many times a day that I say to myself, we get one life. Every day there's hundreds of decisions that we get to make. That's a gift, gift of agency. Please do not... You have a lot of power within you. You can either choose to do good or bad with that power. Well, that's why I left. I mean, I'm still serving. I've been serving my entire adult life from a professional standpoint. You've got a service heart. I, but I got, I like serving hot bread to rich people was not, you know, that was. You want to eat the freaking bread. It was Morningside. It was Morningside. They weren't that rich. Well, they were at the Vintage. And it, they, they were okay at Morningside for sure. But the, what it was important to them was like, you know, the, the, the sauce, the, the, my yeah. bread isn't yeah. hot. And so I served sure. and served and served and now I'm still serving. It's just so much more edifying. I mean, it's so much, it's so much more meaty and yummy. Yeah. And when I was listening to you talk a minute ago, Andrew, you were talking about how as a, a substance abuse counselor that you didn't have the compassion you felt was needed there. Do you feel like you have more compassion Ooh. as a prosecutor or do you think those are even? These are great questions. Well, I think that, uh, I, I, I guess I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Uh, do I have more compassion? I, I feel like I have compassion. I feel like maybe I've always had compassion. I just, I just don't. You're not patient with ignorance? (laughs) Is that what it is? You're not patient with ignorance when you see somebody, the pure definition of insanity, when you're trying to counsel them Mm -hmm. through addiction and you see it repeated over and over, you're like, freaking get it in your head. But I think that a lot of that stuff is about us too. I think it's when we spot some shit in somebody else, it's shit that we know about ourselves that is not, not a hundred percent, but I think often it's like, why can't I get, why don't I get that? But when I was listening to you talk, it sounds like being a reinventing that aspect of yourself, reinventing your compassion as a, you know, in this job or looking at that in this job was vastly different than when you were working with, um, the bottom feeders, if you will. Mm. Right. I don't know. I'm still doing that. I I still am dealing with the same clientele, really. I mean, is the people who are, I mean, because, you know, criminal behavior is rife with, uh, you know, drug addiction, Mm. right? So I'm just just helping out the same individuals in a a different way. And when I came to this job, I didn't really want to be a prosecutor. I, I, I liked working. I thought I'd go to work 
with the Colorado Legal Services and work with, you know, poor people who were, you know, trying to get housing issues done or whatever it was. Interesting. And I came to be a prosecutor and I thought, well, you know, what am I going to do? But then I thought, you know, I'm a recovering addict. Maybe I can intervene in some of these people's lives. Mm. And Yeah, there's you know, some familiarity. I get that. Totally get you're that. You're a perfect balance for that. Can I just add... Um, you know, learning along the way that fair and equal justice is very individualized. I think you're a good balance in that position. Well, I, I, I thought so too, but I will tell you this to be, you know, is that, and I mentioned this before, is that the public defenders don't feel that way, is that mm-hmm. I, they really hammer me on the ideas that when I'm tough on addicts, they say, you know, you're a recovering addict. Yep. You should know better than oh, this. Yeah. And, you, know, you know that people do this. And I go, I, I, if I had, you know, you as my, you know, guiding light, I think I'd still be out there. Yeah. yeah. Because you keep you apologizing for me. Mm. And I don't need an apologist. I need somebody to, you know. Yeah. Toughen uh, them nipples up. Kick my ass. You know. <laughs> right. Toughen those damn nipples up and. Bite down, right? That's a breastfeeding reference. I was going to say that. I don't <laughs> Let's just keep uh, it at that. So <laughs> I know, and that's realistic. It's called codependent. And you can be militant codependent as well, too. Um, it serves no purpose. It really keeps people sick. Um, and yourself. I. Yes. That's one thing that I can say that I'm reinventing right now is some of my uh, character traits that so i recently went through a divorce at the beginning of this year never in my mind would i have thought that i've would have experienced that i mean and having children in that experience i felt so responsible for them to manage through my own decisions Mm. that it was like every day like reinventing myself just living in my own skin and and being able to do that. Like I hated myself some, some days because I couldn't prevent anything. I felt out of control, maybe even a slight depression. I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but when you go into reinventing, it's not grand and glorious. It's the roller coaster. It's up and down and you're trying to move forward. It would be education, career, uh, new friends, relocation, um, you know, or if it's your own internal compass that you're working on, because in the end, I want to live with myself. I want integrity. I want to sit there and say, I served a purpose. I have value in this world. And I did the best damn job that I could. Mm. Well, I think we all pretty much would like to have that. I mean, that would be for me, you know, I mean, when I think about the end of my life and what people might say about me <clears throat> um, after I'm not here, it certainly isn't that I drove a great car, had a big TV, <laughs> or lived in the big house up on the hill. You know, it, yeah. it's more integral than that. It has to be more, um, I want people to know that I had integrity or that there were times that, yes, I lost my mind. You know, like I just, you know, just really lost I've it. I've seen it. And... <laughs> crazy. (laughs) Thanks, Charmaine. No, but I'd be, you're absolutely right, Tina, that when you're sitting there going, what do I have show for? Mm. Like all of this, the most important feeling that you can gain in this lifetime 
is that you've grown to understand who you are and knowing that you're always going to change and being okay with that, accepting that and not just realizing that, oh, I'm the best person I can be and I'm 43. I'm a rapper. That was so perfect. But you know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's unrealistic. It's unrealistic to think that um, we're going to go through life and just stay stagnant. We're going to start as one thing and end as that very same thing. Exactly. There's no growth in that. Yeah. Every experience does reinvent you. I mean, from an emotional standpoint, I mean, the topics we talked about the last two weeks, that topic completely reinvented me. I emerged from that with so much more confidence, being able to make boundaries. I I was able to, you know, come through that as a different, a completely different person. It's like any other bad relationship that you're Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. Um, You can be in a bad relationship, leave it for a while and then recall it, which is something that recently happened to me too. There was somebody that left my life for a long time and then um, I recalled it. We recalled it and revisited it. And um, I could really see my growth in that relationship and what was working for me and what wasn't. And, and so what you were willing to accept what and I would, set boundaries. Absolutely. And sometimes you just have to say goodbye. Yeah. Just to go the other way. Sometimes you don't have to do it violently like I did, but. No. <laughs> but you still, it's, that's all part of growth. Okay. So we've got about a minute left, Mr. Hayden. What, what is, what is your, um, how would you wrap, put a bow on this for you on this reinvent? Yeah. Like what, what does that look like for you? This whole reinvention, right. Is, uh, is to not be so scared that you're frozen from doing something that you want to do. Work through the fear. Do do the next indicated step and it'll finally get there if that's the way it's supposed to be. I love that because that's an example for the next person that's going to walk through that fear. And they're going to ask, how did you do that? You, it's like, it's like going down a hill on a skateboard and you get going really fast, but you're still on the board. And, and you're going and going and going, and there's two things you can do. You can stay on it until you stop or slow down, or you can bail out. Yeah, I That's, slow down. I do. I slow down. <laughs> you can just, like, traverse. Oh, well, I'll tell you what. Viewers, audience, lovers, um, wackos, Tina B., Andrew. Thank I'm, you for joining us, Andrew. I Thank you for having me. God bless America. Uh, we'll be back next week with post-election talk. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to Whack-A-Mole with Tina B and Charmaine G. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Watch us on YouTube and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us next time for, well, whatever may happen with Tina B and Charmaine G on Whack-A-Mole. This has been a production from a podcast studio.